Hello ladies and gents, boys and girls, this is Ayatollah Bey and welcome to another episode of the Your Brain Uncovered show, where it is my job to interview leading scientists teasing out some of their most fascinating work. So my guest today is Dr. Anthony Mangiagotti, that is Mangiagotti PhD. Anthony is a postdoctoral researcher at the MedClub, which is an abbreviation for Music Cognition Communication Lab um, at Middlesex University. And he's the principal researcher of the Music Hair Project. Uh, welcome, Dr. Mangiacotti. Welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So uh, you've made numerous, you know, important comp- contributions with your projects, and I found that you know m- your most notable work is mainly focused on understanding the effects of music therapy activities and enhancing the well-being and cognitive functions of elderly people. Um, so, what was your ambition behind pursuing this research path in particular? So um, our main ambition is to. Is mainly to let music therapy, if understand if music therapy can be um, a method or something that uh, even people that have uh, that don't have cognitive impairment can use in order to boost their cognitive functions. So we want to understand how music therapy works in a more structured way, and also to understand, for example, how music can boost our cognitive system. Uh, you know, there are different studies that uh, shows uh, the differences between musicians and non-musicians. And some studies focused also on uh, how music can uh, help us to uh, improve our well-being and some cognitive aspects. And in our study, I mean, uh, we want to go more in deep on to understand better how music therapy works in uh, not only the cognitive point of view, but also in the physiological point of view. This is our main topic. Main, uh, main ambition basically. interesting interesting so practically you're heavily invested in uh, in uh, you know dealing with assessments and cognitive uh, rehabilitation training as I can see and um, so you're trying here to link um, as I can you know um, make up the psychological processes linked with music is that a keen interest of yours Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, then uh, my specialization is in um, aging. So basically, um, you know, with the number of older people living with cognitive impairment and, uh, and dementia is increasing, um, there is also the need for more um, inexpensive intervention to improve the quality of life of such individuals. And so we want to we want to understand as try to understand if music therapy can be also one of the methods. To do this, we need to focus more on what are the specific cognitive functions, specific, uh, for example, physiological and well-being improvement that music can uh, tell us. And we do this uh, through, as you said, cognitive testing, for example, that are specifically targeted to measure, for example, attention, memory, some, for example, verbal processing, and uh, some physiological measures, for example, we collect uh, saliva in which we analyze some hormones inside, mm. for example, the cortisol or the citocines. Uh, the cortisol is a hormone related to stress levels. So, for example, we have high level of cortisol. Usually, we um, feel this kind of stress. Stress, um, and instead, the lower level of cortisol are more. Um, we feel more relaxed. So measuring these hormones, uh, uh, we are able to understand, for example, also how if music therapy or music in general can induce, can uh, reduce this kind of a level and uh, making people more relaxed in a physiological way. And so this is um, how we try <laughs> to work a little bit. 
Well, your attempt seems to be working. And uh, I noticed something you touched on um, earlier. You mentioned that you focus on, you know, um, the, you know, elder adults. Um, so why is it that you're fixated on, uh, you know, the later periods of human life? Is it because um, these age groups, you know, are not corresponding to what is considered the apex of, uh, you know, the power of human intelligence, uh, emotional regulation, creativity, productivity? Is that why? Uh, is in part is why exactly, but then also because um, since that um, the main part is more because there are no study at the moment, not a lot of study that uh, try to investigate, for example, um, the mu- the effect of music therapy in, uh, for example, in the my cognitive impairment. So there are different type of impairments during the age in, uh, through aging, and aging is it is a sort of uh, we can say is a part of our lifespan in which there are so many questions that are um, that are in result at the moment mm, of course and um, so for example uh, we still don't know what are the mechanisms behind for example some particular type of dementia so why people start to have this kind of type of degeneration uh, um, also what is the role of uh, the cognitive reserve so the cognitive reserve for example is the amount of knowledge that you acquire during your life and some people think um, some researchers think that if people that has a higher amount of cognitive reserve so for example life they have done so many things so they go to the theater uh, uh, free four times a month uh, or the cinema they read a lot of books they keep their mind engaged a lot yes. so i have yeah. a high cognitive function and how this cognitive function this sorry this cognitive reserve can impact also in the neurodegeneration so there are some studies that have investigated for example how people with high cognitive reserve are able to face some specific deficit that are uh, coming from uh, your degenerational problem. Would that so be what would, we want? To, uh, would that be linked to dementia in any way possible? For a second. Uh, would that be linked to studies on cognitive decline in dementia? Exactly, exactly. So music is a form of, um, of um, it's a form of interaction that can help mm. to boost this cognitive reserve, as you probably know. Studying music or even listening to music can activate our brain in a way that is, uh, let's say, is very complex. So when we even listen to music, our brain is activating almost all his parts. So we are activating our tension, our memory process, our emotions. Because when we listen to music, we activate what is called the reward system so for example when you're eating chocolate you are having sex uh, or uh, for example you're having do, you are doing a um, an, an enjoyable activity you start to activate this kind of circuit and it's the same that music can activate and sort of boost also then on a system of our brain that uh, is linked to our emotions so music help also to, for example, activate this part of the brain that are linked to emotion and memory. So there is a very high stimulation of our brain when we uh, listen to music and when we play music. 
Oh wow, that's quite fascinating. So we're really here. You dived really deep into you know aspects of cognition that are enhanced by listening to music. So um, regarding you know mood, uh, you fascinatingly conducted um, earlier in two thousand fourteen uh, three experiments where you assessed uh, uh, the cognitive benefits of um, uh, music. And um, I just wanted to know how does that um, link back to the emotions? Uh, the emotions um, expressed with a piece of music we're listening to it. So, uh, is, is there any link between you know uh, the emotional expression of music and the you know the person's affective state? Does it, do they have to be matching, or uh, is there any relationship whatsoever? So, in uh, if we are talking about, for example, boosting our cognitive function when listening to music, there are some studies, for example, that shows us how we should listen to music that match our mood you know the at the beginning this was called the mozart effect so people were yes. listening to music to some music uh, related to mozart and they were um, make them do some cognitive testing and they people that were listening to mozart improved their performance of cognitive testing but um, further study shows how uh, this is more related to the arousal level of the music and to the mood of the participant so for example uh, they found out that if we are listening, if we are in a sad mood and we listen to low arousal music, we are still able to uh, to perform very well in cognitive tests. So, how uh, to respond also to your question on uh, how music is related to emotion? So, uh, as I said before, music is uh, can stimulate some. Music is connected with some memories, some out, some memories and some emotion as well. Music, the music itself. Um, is a sort of communication that, thanks to the harmonic part of the music and the melody part, there, is a, uh, there are also some emotion traits. Of course, of course. There's, there's so much to share between language and uh, um, music, really, from the fundamental basics, you know, the temp- tempo, rhythm, tempre, uh, timbre, sorry. So, um, yeah, I can highlight, the link is very balanced. Um, Now, um, your work really touched um, a lot on investigating the effects of music therapy in elderly care. Now, what about infants as well, premature infants specifically? Uh, They seem to be a particular focus of interest in your research. So this part of the research that is conducted from other colleagues of our lab, so um, Dr. Fabio Franco, that is the main PI of our lab, is uh, focusing as well, or in specific in this part, uh, also with other uh, our other collaborators. And uh, yes, it's true, music has uh, plays an important role in uh, our our lifespan. And for example, from a different study that we conduct, we found out that people, um, the children that are exposed. Uh, in uh, from when they are in the room to music or uh, when uh, if parents sing a lot, for example, to their children, uh, these children later on during the age uh, perform better, have a better cognition. So usually they are um, able to uh, to learn a language faster compared to a normal child that wasn't exposed to music uh, in a music environment. So um, music it helps, for example, to uh, especially singing from uh, uh, singing from parents mm-hmm. uh, helps children, for example, to understand better the language processes. 
And uh, there are some studies that uh, found out how, for example, infant-related speech, uh, speech and uh, um, music infant-related speech. So, for example, you know, when we uh, we start to talk to our child, to our child, a little a little baby, and we yes. start to emphasize on the words and the way how we speak. But if we start instead of speaking, to, we start to sing to this child. We will start to use us. Uh, we will start to emphasize the song as well. And studies showed out that uh, children, uh, babies pay more attention to the music uh, emphasis uh, speaking. So in our speech, when is uh, musically, when we start to sing to our children, compared to, for example, our interrelated speech. Uh, I don't know if I was able to make myself clear. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, think, I think it was evidently clear the powerful effects of music um, as a means of communication, even with infants. I mean. Uh, um, so yeah, you can say that it's very much ingrained in us. Um, uh, you know, speaking of ingrained, I mean, um, do you, is there are there any brain regions we can refer to that are um, specifically activated when listening to music? So you know, music has the capacity really to engage, um, as we can see, auditory, cognitive, motor, and emotional functions. Uh, are there specific cortical and subcortical sub like uh, brain regions involved? Uh, some different brains. So all the brain from the front and the occipital, the cerebellum, uh, the, oh, yeah. um, uh, the temporal part are activated, depending on uh, the task and also on the type of music. So um, there are different lateralization, for example, when we listen to music from the right to the left part, there are some cortical and subcortical structure. Mm -hmm. So for example, when we listen to a piece of music um, very uh, with a lot of attention, we start to engage our prefrontal cortex or, uh, for example, when we play a music, uh, the part of the outer cerebellum that is linked to the, uh, the prim uh, primary motor regions and the fine uh, start to be activated because we need to, for example, activate fine motor movement or, uh, for example, expert pianists start to, uh, for example, have, uh, need to read music, they start to uh, activate a lot, they occipital part of the lobe. So it depends really on the type of task that we are doing, on the type of music that we are listening. But we can say that basic music, even if play, when we play or when we listen to it, activates almost all the regions of the brain. So for this, it is very interesting in neuroscience to uh, study music because it allows us to understand also how some specific brain regions works. So, um, there are, for example, studies that shows how, for example, the, the occipital part in blind people is activated in, in pitch perception, while instead um, normal sight uh, people activate normally the, the, uh, the temporal part. So it's like that uh, with these studies, we were able to, uh, to find out, for example, how also some specific region of our brain can be more plastic compared yeah. to others and can, for example, be enrolled in, uh, in, activity, uh, in different type of activity uh, that are different from what we thought about. Uh, so, for example, the occipital part is more related to vision processes, non-audio processes, but in, uh, for example, blind people, this, kind, this, uh, um, this region is more activated compared to, uh, compared to the temporal part in sight, uh, sight uh, vision people. So it really depends, it really depends on, on what we, were, we want to focus on. 
it, it really it really depends on the like the person's case uh, obviously but in overall it seems that elucidating the neural mechanisms you know underlying music intervention um seems to always um you know provide us with positive positive outcomes and uh, more insight into the power of music um i i wanted to ask so um you you happen to um uh, mention uh, something about you know neurological disorders and how we can help you know um, practically customize music interventions in a way uh, to treat them on an individual level. Um, is there a certain mix between you know cognitive and um, uh, social interventions that one can you know uh, resort to uh, as a means of treatment? Yeah, so one of the most used uh, therapeutic process that we can use. Um, related to music is music therapy. So music therapy is a sort of, um, of intervention that uses music uh, in, uh, in, as a way of communication to uh, boost not only mood of people, uh, for example, psychiatric disorders, but also can boost cognition in different ways. So music therapy usually um, utilize mood matching. So there are, of course, here in England, for example, uh, to become a music therapist, uh, mm -hmm qualified, you know, to do a master's degree, so our therapists, qualified therapists that use music as a way of communication in order to boost uh, the mood and the cognitive uh, system of the clients. And uh, is uh, very, for example, music therapy is very useful not only in children with, for example, with autism, so, or is used for, uh, even uh, now is uh, using Nike sometimes, oh. but uh, wow. for example, uh, yes, there are different studies that start to use how uh, music therapy can be used in Nike in order to, for example, uh, even let's say relax the child that is exposed to a very uh, stressful environment. You know, in the Nike, there are so many different machines that are beeping, that are produce sounds, that are doctor speaking, and so on and so forth. Mm. And so this uh, environment. It could be very stressful for the child. Music can be a way also to relax the child in this environment. There is a study that we are conducting uh, in our lab yes. Uh, yes. that is focusing on, uh, for example, the musical environment in Nike. Uh, so I would suggest you also, if people are interested, uh, to look to our website of the MCC Lab. I will be providing uh, can, uh, the link, definitely. But for example, in our study, uh, we are looking to music therapy in um, to understand if music therapy can be a way not only to boost the cognitive function and mood in, in people that can have. Uh, for example, dementia or severe dementia. But we want to look also how the music therapy, if a music therapy can be a good treatment to boost and to preserve cognitive function, healthy, uh, um, healthy older adults. Mm -hmm. So in a way that can, uh, for example, um, reduce the possibility to get dementia uh, later on in life. And uh, in our study, for music care, we are more interested, for example, in the attention, memory, uh, some executive functions, so the way how we reason, how the concentration of this person. We are looking, we will use some um, cortisol and also uh, we analyze some other hormones uh, that can be boosted uh, by, by the effect of music. And also we will focus on the physiology. So we will analyze, for example, the cardio cardiorespiratory frequency yeah. to see also what happens in, uh, we will, what will happen when we, uh, when we attend music therapy in a physiological point. 
So um, I can I can see it's a bundle. It's a see. it's a bundle of tools uh, you've got there. Um, so, so um, you, you're, this study conduct, being conducted in your lab um, uh, for the, uh, you know, the one with the infants. I mean, it's very interesting. But um, may I kindly know, is there specific music that you aim to um, introduce um, uh, hospitals to, um, you know, uh, reduce the aversive, you know, potentially damaging effects of stress on babies and parents uh, during that, um, you know, during that stage? You, is there a certain type of music? Sorry. Sorry, you mean in the NICU especially? Yes. So, um, for that study, is Maria Kifa. Um, uh, she's a, a postgraduate student, uh, and she's focused on that. Uh, because, um, so, actually, uh, the, there isn't a specific type of music. This is uh, something that we would like to discover also if there are uh, m- uh, some music that are more, let's say, engaging for the child compared to a more, more appropriate compared to others so it's something that we're uh, still um, going on at the moment what we are what we are doing is to uh, for example um, creating a questionnaire that will be used inside the NICO in order to um, understand the environment or what kind of musical environment could be supported All right. for this case so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of room for future research to you know yes, to, to just dive is. into. Uh, that's great. That's right. great. <laughs> um, we see. So for example, looking for babies, no, um, there is uh, um, some work conducted by our uh, colleague Nina Politimo Ooh. that uh, she focused. Uh, uh, Doctor Politimo uh, has completed a PhD in music. Uh, in music communication and then Amazing. the music communication cognition lab and uh, her uh, research wanted to explore the link between musical and linguistic skills in young preschooler and uh, she investigated the role of the musical environment in the developmental outcomes and uh, and she found out for example that if we, um, for example singing to children mm. uh, any song wow. but if the parents sing to children they will boost this environmental uh, musical environment, uh, environment in which the children are exposed and this and this will have very uh, good and positive effects on the child wow i mean in overall we can here really come to conclude that um music is truly a universal language and, it's, and we're not talking just geographically but also across the lifespan um and it, it seems to, you know, it seems to be that recently uh, researchers have been paying, you know, due attention to our perception of music and its powerful effects. Why do you think so? Why is it that um, only lately has there been light, sh- you know, shed on it? So uh, you mean why is now coming up with all this kind of research? Yeah, well? yeah. So I think that this is uh, because of thanks to the advancement in neuroscience. So thanks to the, for example, the advancement in fMRI and neuroimages uh, that allows us to understand better how our brain works. Uh, it opened up all this, um, all this kind of study. For example, music therapy. We know from uh, from this uh, 80s that music therapy is, is a very good form of intervention, but unfortunately. The, the, um, this kind of environment, mm. there were a lot of qualitative studies compared to quantitative. Oh. And unfortunately, uh, our society works in a way that the quantitative sometimes is uh, more accepted compared to qualitative. So, yeah. 
uh, uh, only in the recent year we were, we, there were more quantitative studies, uh, for example, analyzing the effects of music in, uh, in different uh, cognitive aspects and in the physiological point of view. And this helped to, um, to create a sort of a recognition on the effects of music. So I will say that both the things, so the new, uh, thanks to um, the fact that we are approaching, uh, we are developing new tools to understand how our brain works, and also with the uh, more studies that are based on qualitative or mixed, uh, sorry, on quantitative and mixed research, there is some, um, this kind of interest is uh, going to rise. Oh, well, then um, I guess the future looks very bright for um, for this avenue of research. And um, I just I just want to say really honestly, thank you, Dr. Anthony, for your time. Um, yeah, you've, you provide us a great depth of knowledge <laughs> um, about the powerful <laughs> effects of music, especially for, you know, on um, adults and infants, uh, which are very neglected, you know, um, times of uh, the age band. <laughs> Usually people just fixate on adolescence and uh, um, so yeah, it's, it's unique. Your work is uh, truly unique. Um, so yeah, I'm very grateful to be able to have you here on my show. Thank you so much. It's been thank a pleasure you very much. To and you. if I can also thank you, our trustee foundation, that is the Dunhill Medical Trust, that is founded this, uh, our project for this free year. So, and also, of course, Middlesex and all our collaborators from uh, Padua University and the Virgin University of Brussels. Trinity University. So it's a huge collaboration for also different other universities that are collaborating with us. So we need to thank also them for all the, the work. <laughs> many, many thanks, many thanks to them. And I highly respect, you know, your very vivid and clear mission to improve the quality of life yeah, for the aging population. Um, so yeah, it was very nice. Uh, so for all you listeners out there, I've provided um, links to numerous relevant publications from the McLab in the show notes right below. So don't forget to let me know what you think of this episode with a review or a comment wherever you find my podcast. And I'll be talking to you very soon. Finally, thank you so much for your interest in science. Bye.